What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Welcome to it, midweek editions here at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Back in studio for a day, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbo, we are loaded up. Tomorrow, back on the road at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Want to see you out there. Man, what a good time yesterday and uh, plenty of football to talk today. We'll dive in. Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mr. Husker Football, going to join us in about 20 minutes. Mike Shuhart, Chewy, out at Wilderness Ridge. It is a gorgeous golf day in Lincoln. But we're working. <laughs> we're not dreaming about finding our lost golf ball out at Wilderness Ridge. Not quite yet. In hour two, Mr. ESPN Matt Schick will join us. We'll dive into some of the Super Regionals, the Dave Van Horn and that quest for a uh, a win in, or several, in Omaha uh, continues for the Razorbacks. And uh, more with uh, Matt Schick, uh, with her dad, of course, Schick and Nick, and all of his ESPN duties. We'll talk some big red football with him. Numbers to dial up. Get involved at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Where you hear us around uh, the great state of Nebraska. Can stream us, ESPNLincoln.com. And uh, give the email a chance, chris at hailvarsity.com. I'll be better at reading those, I promise. And can find us on Twitter. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. What's the day look like for you? You've already got a ball game under your belt. Yeah, I got the uh, the Salt Dogs. Uh, they had a midday game. It was daycare day out at Haymarket Park. Really? Where you so- just drop your kids off and you go... Uh, take off or you uh, you stay and watch the ball game and you send him off to right field to play on the slot? I think you can do either. I think okay. you can do whatever you, you were to choose there. Uh, and it, it's really interesting because we've got the crowd mic and I keep on like texting Michael and talking during the breaks, like turn the crowd mic down. You can just hear all these little kids' conversations going Those down are the, the best game. conversations ever. <laughs> and their conversation is this, do you believe what Athlon picked Nebraska? I, I don't That's think what that all the four up, and five-year-olds <laughs> were talking about today at Haymarket Park. That was not part of the conversation? I don't think, usually it's like a a lazy fly ball to right field that all the kids are screaming for because they think it's a home run and then it's, you know, 100 feet short of the wall. So uh, they all it, it's, it's a fly out, the old can of corn. But we'll dive into Athlon, get Mike Babcock's thoughts on that as well. Memorial Stadium turning 100. Some uh, memorable moments uh, with Big Red Football and uh, the playlist of all playlists we got to tell you about if you're a Grateful Dead fan. But listen, the, the, the question is this. For Nebraska football in 2022, we the, the makeovers taken place, okay, and and that's new assistants, that's new players, that's new additions, that's new at quarterback, and then you've got some old staples. You don't always get rid of everything when you do uh, a renovation or a, a revamp. I remember my folks' basement uh, on Tipperary Trail in Lincoln. 
and that's the, the, the house I mainly grew up in. And it was it was awesome. It was home to me. And then, uh, I don't know, mom and dad said, well, let's finish the basement. And I remember that that remodel that, that went on. And next thing you know, wow, there's a living room and there's a there's a room for it to play pool. Uh, we will not incriminate who punched the wall when he lost it pool, but he lives in, in Gretna. I don't <laughs> live in Gretna. Uh, and then you had a steam shower. I mean, so it was, wow, it was incredible. Now, the wrong person uh, could have gotten a hold of uh, the itinerary in the basement, and it could have been the ugliest looking basement you've ever seen in your life, right? I mean, how how does it go? And and that's what we're all wondering here. We've laid out the schedule, front end, back end. Oh no, uh, with how Nebraska started, not always great. They've not finished real well, except for 2018, and they're somewhere in between with. Uh, the question marks. Does Nebraska get better quarterback play than they've had? Or do they get more help for their quarterback in 2022? And and here's a question, too. Does Nebraska have any difference makers and game wreckers on defense? A guy, offense or defense, that can take over the football game. And you think back to some of those guys that, that Nebraska's had when they've won and, and been in a championship game. Defensively, you had Indomitian Sue, and Sue uh, was incredible, and you had a, a really tough offense. You had a good run game, but you weren't super trusting throwing the football in 2009. You, you just weren't. Uh, what you had in, in, in T-Magic, I mean, he was so good on the ground that he, big play-wise, in 2012, he was incredible to go along with a pretty good defense, even though you were still new to the Big Ten, and then uh, eventually, you, you got Wisconsin, uh, and then offensively, you know Nebraska's Nebraska's just not put both sides of the football together along with special teams. But uh, I think on offense, a guy like Trey Palmer could wow. Uh, a, a guy like Anthony Grant could be big time. You could see uh, a real jump in in Yant. Ramir Johnson also is is really dangerous catching and running the football. But that that all stems on getting two healthy tackles, figuring out your new center that was a second-round pick. You're replacing that, I air quote, when I say replace. And and then on the defensive side, what do you have? Well, you've got Ty Robinson that is now a little bit more experienced as a starter. Uh, you have two really good linebackers in Henrich and Reimers. But, man, they put 100,000 miles on their body last year and were great when you look at the combined tackles. And you've got a guy in Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner that have been part of the Chenander defense. They've grown and gotten better each year. Do they have breakout seasons? We, we touched on Garrett being a, a, an all-Big Ten performer. That's the projection by, projection by Athlon. But you've added uh, a Devin Drew and O'Shawn Mathis and uh, a Stephon Wynn is win a guy that can come into the Big Ten and and just be uh, a deal-breaker for offensive lines on the interior. Is Oshan uh, going to have a, a really good Act 3? He's had two really good years in Power 5 uh, when it comes to getting after the quarterback off the edge, hurries and sacks. And then there's Devin Drew, who 
uh, was really good at getting towards the quarterback despite just a three-man rush and don't let anybody, kind of a Diaco defense, so to speak, down at Texas Tech. So we don't have any assurities. There's no Rex. There's no Roy. There's no T-Magic, right? There's no Sue that's, that's a known quantity. But can Nebraska be better at some, some key spots in 2022? If you're trying to hear us on the radio, that has been hit or miss on the AM. Uh, FM 101.5 uh, is... I guess where you go, but uh, stream us, ESPNLincoln.com, just to, to throw that out there. Or your, but, your favorite streaming app as well, iHeartRadio um, uh, mm-hmm. also has ESPN Lincoln as well as TuneIn. So uh, if you are struggling with that 1480 signal, that's a great way to do it as well. So we, we laid out how Nebraska kind of flips this this makeover, right, mm-hmm. uh, with with some of the, the key components. You've got the coaching staff, but then we, we also now dive into Athlon themselves, and Athlon picking, how does this grab you? Fifth. I think a fifth, and and I think you can still get to a bowl game as the fifth place team in the Big Ten West. What's that do for your head coach's situation where it's win now? Because that is, <laughs> that's tight to me. You're right at six and six or seven and five. And I understand this. Look at how jumbled the West was last year. How many nine wins teams? Nine win teams did you have? You had Wisconsin, you had Minnesota, you had Iowa. I think Iowa was a ten win team, and they went to the Big Ten championship game. They those were three. I'm missing somebody. Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue. Purdue oh, won yes. nine games, and your your rundown right now by Athlon is Wisconsin. They got an incredible running back, and they're always good defensively. You just assume their O-line is going to be fine. O'Connell and Purdue with a couple of Iowa wideout transfers. Kaz talked about yesterday uh, will will help them. Uh, their, their top receiver, Milton, is ineligible. But they're, they're picked second after losing David Bell and Karloftis. Mm-hmm. So go figure. But they're second. Iowa comes in third. Minnesota. Minnesota's found ways to win tough ball games. They found ways to win tough ball games in Lincoln. That's why they probably get the nod. And Tanner Captain Morgan, I should say, is in his thirty seventh year at quarterback for Minnesota. Uh, they have their big time wideout that's back. They have uh, a, a stud running back that is returning, Ibrahim. Uh, he was really fun to watch until that Achilles early on last year as they opened up with Ohio State. So I can't fault Athlon for looking at what's known and going, yeah, okay, I like Purdue at quarterback. I like Wisconsin's run game. Minnesota just finds a way. Then there's Iowa, special special teams and defense, sure. You know, Nebraska could prove us all wrong and – this could all come together and bang, they, they win a, a ton of ball games and, and they win the West, sure. But man, you just haven't seen it. Seen it. There, there's, there's proof that you need to physically hold with this team. Well, while we're comparing this whole rebuild to a, to a basement <laughs> renovation, the way I see it is this, is Nebraska has moved into a new house and the basement needed some work. It was pretty ugly down there. There's, a little water damage. There's a little water damage, old 70s shag carpet down there. And it, sometimes it that's charming. It, it just takes a right buyer. And here's the thing. is The right buyer came in, and they decided to renovate the house. 
And after a couple weekends, they've done all the demolition work. They've put the new stuff in, the new carpet. And you, you look at the end of it and you go, eh, I, I still don't quite like it. It's still not quite. So you got to redo, redo it again. So you, 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 you got a money tree. Well, maybe, you know, maybe people are going to find a way to use it. Maybe as time goes on, it'll improve a little bit. But you get three years down the road of owning this home and nobody still goes down to the basement. It's ugly. It's an eyesore. Uh, you're not getting use out of it. So you save up a little bit of money and you decide to go redo the whole thing. Where Athlon's coming from is they're saying, well, you've already messed up this basement once. Based on how you renovated it the first time around, we don't have any faith that a second renovation is going to help at all. Whereas we sitting here in Nebraska go, you know what? I like what this new carpet you have Look picked out the for the basement. Look at the square footage available. The square footage is great. You've picked out this new carpet that looks like it's going to be better, and you did a better job matching the it's paint and proof. everything. Uh, there's a brand new giant TV down there. You just invest a lot of money, and you think that's going to be a centerpiece of the basement. You see the pieces there, but Athlon is just saying, well, you had the pieces before on this basement renovation. It didn't work out, but this time around... We're not confident, but maybe the people in Nebraska are confident that the basement renovation can be better this time, despite the fact it's the same people doing it. It all hinges on the offensive line to protect the quarterback. It all hinges on the offensive line to get uh, some wow moments from the running game. And it all hinges on the offensive line back to that quarterback play to be able to utilize a guy like Omar Manning and Trey Palmer. Under a guy like Mickey Joseph, Man, sky's the limit for a, for, for a guy like Omar Manning. I mean, think of how physically gifted in the mismatch he is. Nebraska went to him a lot. Not as often as they wanted to, but he had some big plays and some big games and some big moments. And then you, you factor in a, a Trey Palmer with him. Uh, we'll see where Nebraska's at with the tight ends. But Coach Becton's got a really good track record of development there. And then you and I both are excited about Anthony Grant. Mm-hmm. We're A.J. Allen we can't sleep on. Uh, I, I know that Ramir Johnson is as tough as it gets. So he's, he's pretty impressive. So Nebraska's quarterback is a question mark uh, with Athlon uh, just because, right? And uh, that's, that's fair. So we turn our attention from current quarterback to former quarterback. We'll have more thoughts on this, but wanted to squeeze in. More uh, commentary from Adrian Martinez. Uh, a little bit of him. What is this a podcast he was on? I believe it was a radio. I'm trying to figure out which radio show it was. It was something on the uh, Sirius XM College Sports okay, Network. Okay, yeah, I'm the not College sure which, Sports which show exactly. The college Sports Playbook had Adrian on, and he touched on his motivation for transferring from Nebraska. You know, and, and their narratives. I'm I'm fighting against. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I haven't been to a bowl game, and I haven't had a winning season, you know. Um, now, football is a team sport, but I play quarterback. And, and oftentimes, you know, you, you get associated with those kind of things. And, you know, I want to win. I, I want to go play in a bowl game, and I want to win a bowl game. So uh, that was another reason why I came here. You know, I, I feel like we have a great opportunity to win. And that's something um, if I do and I play the right way, I, I know we're going to have an opportunity to do. Part of that's not turning over the ball as much. Part of that um, is uh, being accurate all the time, making the right decisions. And that comes with playing quarterback, yes, but, um, you know, I feel confident in this system and, and with the progressions I've made that I'll be able to take that next step. Biggest thing for him, and listen, he's a stand-up dude, class act. This isn't shade. This is maybe a little bit more clickbait. He's not throwing stones at Nebraska. He transferred for a, a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And I want to see K-State win as many as they can for the kid. 
next year. It's it's a chance to change his narrative. His narrative in Nebraska has been a a guy who's been super talented but can't get the job done, can't win, uh, can't come in and and lead a drive in the fourth quarter. And, yeah, it's all about a a fresh start and getting to a new place that will give you a new opportunity to change your narrative uh, without the preconceived notions of what you are. Well, and and knee injuries, shoulder surgeries, cracked jaw, you're not finding a tougher quarterback. That affects your play, or it can affect your play. And quite frankly, if you're dropping back and you're you're under duress 40% of the time, good luck. Good luck winning any ball games. Did see a funny tweet that said, uh, imagine trying to tell a college football fan in 1990 that a quarterback was transferring from Nebraska to Kansas State because he wanted to win more. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> 1990 for sure. That was the... Uh, I think first or second year of the Bill Snyder reconstruction, keeping on with the the, the, uh, rebuild theme. Mike Babcock's going to be with us. A ton of fun with him next to talk some Big Red football. The Tale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Little Casey Jones, Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity with us. We're streaming live ESPN Lincoln's Facebook or ESPN Lincoln Twitter. So College Game Days tweeted out, don't forget how the first points of 2021 were scored. And they're showing the infamous punt, one of many, uh, against or had by Nebraska in the two-pointer for uh, for Illinois and Cam Taylor bit Britt trying to, to get out of the end zone. Babbers, that can't happen in Ireland, can it? No, it can't. Uh, and that's one of the things that I think that I forget to mention when people ask about what has to happen to Nebraska in 2022 to get things turned around, to get that basement, you know, where you want, where people are going to think it's a good job of, of redoing it, is special teams. You know, Nebraska has to make a huge jump in special teams in order to be successful, in order to make Athlon's pick of number five inaccurate to be better than that. And, and while um, we're special teams is a big important part, I think. While we're talking that the basement comparison here, what what part of a basement renovation is special teams? Is that taping up all the door frames and windows and whatnot so your paint job is good? Is that 
bringing in the the contractors to do the carpet so it's all stretched out properly. I mean, what part of a basement renovation is special teams? It's nothing sexy, but it is important. Get rid of the mold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good. There's some black mold in the corner over there you need to get rid of. Yeah, we need to get rid of that. You know, but it, it, it is. I think special teams, and that's why, you know, Bill Bush, that's his primary responsibility. It's his only responsibility. Um, you know, that was a – I would guess that that was a difficult decision to put one coach solely responsible for, for one thing, special teams. And that underscores how important it is to get that turned around. Well, Bush's track record with that is fantastic, and you add a ace recruiter as well. And uh, that's uh, that's some upside uh, with uh, with Nebraska and uh, and Bill Bush, Mike Babcock with us. Babbers, uh, how does five in the West grab you at first glance? I I don't think it's unreasonable because of everything that you've talked about so far. I mean, Nebraska every year is like, well, we're going to get it turned around this year. No, they didn't get it turned around. Um, you look at last season, and some people will say, well, look at how they lost those games, you know, the, uh, the one score games or, you know, that doesn't matter in the whole context of things. The bottom line is they were still three and nine. And so how do you say, how do you make a big jump um, from where you've been in one season in a, in a big change? I think it's reasonable to say that, you know, and it puts a, a nice, motivation for Nebraska, if, if anybody needs any more motivation, to say, hey, we're better than that. Okay, the, then the response is, okay, then prove it, um, because you haven't proved it up to this point. I mean, the, the four-year run that Scott's had so far, in order to find something equivalent to that, you got to go back to Bill Jennings. I mean, it, it, it just hasn't been this way since the uh, late 50s. I mean, Devaney replaced Jennings in 62, um, that's a long time, um, and Nebraska fans are not used to that. I mean, it just – but, again, reasonable. I think it's reasonable based on what's happened so far. Mike Babcock's with us at MD Babs on Twitter, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. We're streaming Facebook Live, ESPN, Facebook Live, and ESPN Lincoln's Twitter feed. So we're checking in with uh, Mr. Husker Football. Babbers, uh, we'll get to the yearbook in a moment. Memorial Stadium turns 100 this year. And uh, a long list of really big-time wow moments from Alex Henry to – uh, the uh, the 200th sellout when Nebraska smoked Colorado. But I want to go back to 83. Elijah and I got a kick out of this. You were there for it, I think. In 1983, the scoring explosion. What can you recall about 48 points against the Buffs in the third quarter? I mean, that that's, that's nuts. In three minutes and yeah. 45 seconds. Yeah, that's... Uh... But you know that's the way that it was the scoring explosion for a reason. You know the the <laughs> Iowa State game. Look at that thing! Wow, how that went. Um, Colorado, how that went. Just the Minnesota game. Think about that. Eighty-four to thirteen. Think about that. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. You know, it didn't surprise me that they could do that in one quarter because look at the other things that they had done and and. Uh, the reason that they had that nickname, you know, it was a, 
it wasn't uh, misplaced. It wasn't a, a poor representation of what that team could do. It was remarkable. Um, and, and I think in the time, now it would be less remarkable because the game has moved more and more towards the offensive side of things. Um, but back then, uh, it was just uh, incredible what those guys could do. And uh, after you thought you'd seen it, um, the next week you'd see a game and, well, that's a little different than what we saw last time. Um, you know, just all the way, just the way they went. And then to, to lose the national title in that championship game, as they did, but I think Tom Osborne got as much recognition for going for two and trying to win that game on a national stage um, than pretty much anything he did, even one of the three national championships. Nebraska got a lot of great publicity uh, from the national press after Osborne went for two and it didn't succeed. I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall, 14 to 12 at halftime against lowly Colorado. <laughs> and they come out and cover the number in the third. Uh, Fryer, 54-yard run. Rogier, 13-yard run. Gill, 17-yard run. Fryer, 34-yard pass. Rogier, 18-yard run. Jeff Smith for the 12-yard run. Shane Swanson, a, a touchdown from the backup, Nate Mason. And uh, for good measure, Colorado did get in the end zone. Uh, yeah, they got in the end zone. But but 48-7. to seven. Yeah, and that... Was that that was the year too that uh, Rozier at Kansas State stepped and stepped back into the end zone and gave him a safety and then it's two nothing uh, K State. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was. Uh, oh, I forget who it was now. One of the administrators at at, at a function for honoring Devaney and Osborne said, "Called uh, what a great uh, person Rozier was for giving them two points before they before they got going there." Mike Babcock um, with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, while we're on the topic of Memorial Stadium turning 100, do you have a, a favorite memory from inside Memorial Stadium? It doesn't have to be a game, but just anything that springs to the top of your memory of just uh, a, a day or a moment inside Memorial Stadium that uh, really just sticks out to you? Well, I, you know, I've said this for my favorite game, and probably it remains the favorite moment is that Oklahoma game in 78, the first one that I covered, Oklahoma-Nebraska. And Nebraska came came away with a victory there. But just the experience, because my uncle worked for the university athletic department. He was the equipment manager from about 1965 to 1977, just before I started at the newspaper. So um, I was around when I was a sophomore at the university. I was around the university with my uncle in the in the equipment room. I remember helping him put stripes on helmets and putting the ends on the helmets and so forth, doing that, that kind of thing. So... It was like just really cool to actually be there um, to cover a game after I'd been in the field house in the North End and and had an opportunity to kind of walk around and see some things from the inside. But, yeah, it's always been kind of a unique place for me. I've got a a doorstop here in in my office. It's a brick from the the North Field House when they Mm -hmm. tore that down. Um, I had a friend that – uh, he had connections with the uh, construction company that took it down. So I've got a brick here. I've got a piece from the press box when they redid the press box. Um, uh, Keith Mann gave people that had been working in the media over that time a, just a piece of the table that he set in front of. With, <laughs> I think the one I have is number 82. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just always been a special place for me going clear back. Um, 
first game I saw, you know, they had the bleachers was in uh, 58 or 56, somewhere in there. And they had the knot hole sections at either end of the, uh, of the stadium. And to see what it looks like now, um, but man, what a difference it's been. I always enjoyed sitting in the press box before they put up that thing on the, on the east side, the, the upper level. Um, you could look, you could look out over there, look down Vine Street, and and uh, it was pretty cool. And I can't see anything because of the blocks. So. Mike, a thought here on the Hale Varsity yearbook. Uh, it drops this month. Your sit down with Barrett Rude and the well, the, the the Babcock and Rude Grateful Dead playlist. Tell us a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, on uh, Spotify, there's uh, Aaron Sorensen put a put a Grateful Dead playlist on there that uh, had. It leads off with uh, three or four songs that uh, Barrett were his favorites, and then she added some that were mine. But um, yeah, it was, it's interesting. Barrett Root, I probably told you this, but Barrett Root had told me that he has about 500 burned CDs of Grateful Dead concerts and stuff that he's collected over the bootlegs, the huh? Yeah, well, you know, the Dead well allowed that. You could go to their concerts, you could record them. That was okay. They didn't, they didn't care. I purchased a record a vinyl record album or two that were that were somebody just did them at a concert and and put them out as record albums the grateful dead didn't uh at that time didn't really bother to attack people that did that kind of stuff so they allowed it and uh yeah it was it was pretty interesting but so anyway uh, and one of the things i asked a couple of the linebackers that played for him you know were they grateful dead fans and they didn't even know that he was a Grateful Dead fan and uh, um, didn't said that they weren't really all that familiar with the, with the music, but uh, it didn't surprise him. Barrett's got to be uh, feeling pretty good about some of his young kids here, Mike, about a minute, but uh, Henrich and Reimers, uh, the staples on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they have a good, they have a good room. So there are guys that could step in. The thing is that the, you know, the one regret that he said, Last season, that you know, because of the situation, those guys played. I figured out those guys made a quarter of the tackles, and they played, they were on the field almost all the time. They didn't uh, they didn't come off the field, but that you know, a quarter of the tackle, the total tackles um, by two guys. Uh, that's how much they played. But there are other guys that could could, could step in, and and you know, the, there's that kind of preparation. I think is. Is characteristic of his room is that the guys are working hard, whether they're playing or not, they're working to be ready. So I think he's got a pretty good room. And that's one of the things that uh, came out of the interviews that I did. Well, be sure to get the yearbook, get the subscription, hailvarsity.com backslash subscription. Great sit down. Uh, Mike Babcock, Barrett Rude. We'll have more on the Grateful Dead, Babcock, Rude playlist uh, in coming days. Babbers, always fun to talk some ball with you. Thanks for giving us a few minutes, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Next time, Tom Selleck's face. No, you're good, Babbers. Uh, we've already got the mustache here. Mike Schuhart's on the way. Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for Educational Outreach Night. Presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC and after a couple of road matches will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could 
Listen to the radio listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back to you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Matt Schick coming up in 25 minutes. ESPN TV, Radio, uh, Sirius XM, and of course the Schick and Nick podcast. Excited to talk with Schick. We welcome in Mr. Wilderness Ridge as Mike Shuhart joins us on the program. We say hi to Shuey as uh, it's another just a banner day to be swinging the clubs out at Wilderness. Shuey, what do you know? How are you, bud? I'm doing good. Weather's nice. Yeah, it is. You're taunting us. We can look out the window and just see how nice it is, my friend. I got to find a a spot on your deck sometime soon to... uh, well, just to, to make sure all the golfers are, are uh, fixing their divots. How do I put it That's that way? That's right. We need somebody in charge of that, too. <laughs> You'd be just the man. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I, I, I have heard what a divot is on a, on a you know, when you, when, you, when you find the green. So tell me about this weekend and what's going on at Wilderness before we dive into some PGA news and notes. Oh, we got a lot of cool stuff. We have our, we had... Our women's member member just finished last weekend. We have our men's member member starting this weekend. So some good, exciting competition going on. We have four of our pools filled with water. Ooh. So, ooh, I know it. Swim up bars full of water. It, so, it, does it need to be tested out, Shuey? I know it's getting close. So <laughs> they just have our big lap pool yet to do. And our bodies of water will have water in them. So it's, it's, Things are coming along nicely. Well, that is awesome. We're happy for you. Mike Shuhart with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. And, uh, of course, the the Aquatic Center is uh, about to be unleashed. That swim-up bar, that lazy river, uh, cold drinks. And, yes, it's okay. You will not get frowned upon if there is an umbrella in your drink. <laughs> That's for sure. Shuey, let's uh, dive in here. The Live uh, Tour and uh, you had Phil Mickelson dressed as a, I don't want to say Bond villain, but he was all sorts of leather the other day at the press conference. What did you think of the uh, the outfit? Uh, pretty appropriate. <laughs> Got to be the villain, baby. Uh, and then uh, Dustin Johnson also, he talked last week. But the news is this, the U.S. Open next week, yesterday under the USGA, announced that they're going to have the, the uh, Open Nature uh, of the championship ready to go. That means DJ and Phil are welcome to play the U.S. Open. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's it's going to be so interesting to see what transpires here in the next year. You know, the Masters is the one that holds all the cards, in my opinion, mm-hmm. on what decisions they make on letting uh, some of these guys play in the event or not. So, and I just... I see the guys that are kind of resigning from the PGA Tour and going over to play there. And you look at all of the guys that are Masters champions. So they're kind of going to put them in a position where they're going to force their hand because it's a lifetime exemption if you win the Masters to be able to play in the Masters. Mm-hmm. So it's like, are you going to ban these guys? So it's kind of going to be a nice little power struggle here in the next few months to see what kind of um, restrictions they put on or not. So, and how the PGA then proceeds. You know, if, the, if the master says it's okay for those guys to play, mm-hmm. U.S. Open just said it's okay to play. I guarantee you they're going to play in the British Open. So, what does the PGA do? 
um, going forward, and then what's the PGA Tour do to, to stop that? It's going to be an interesting power struggle coming up. What's your gut say about Augusta, and do they, hey, if you have a lifetime exemption, are we going to stand by our word there? I don't know. What's the legality parts of it? You know, it's like that's what it says in our bylaws. If you win the tournament, you have a lifetime exemption, but now – you know, you're not a PGA Tour member. Do you have to be to be able to maintain that eligibility to play? You know, you have guys that have won the Masters that are, are really not, that don't play on the Tour anymore, you know, that still play in that event. Mm-hmm. You know, you have guys that are retired, Sandy Lyles and guys like that. So, I don't, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I think they got enough guys going in their direction that it's going to be, a lot tougher than I think I anticipated to begin with. I didn't think I'd see as many guys, big-name guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I said it a long time ago, man, it's all about them putting pressure on the Masters, the Masters putting pressure on the Tour about if they're going to be able to uphold a lot of these bands. And you got Patrick Reed now going over there with Dustin Johnson, you know, Phil Mickelson. In fact, they were trying to get Tiger Woods. What was the number? What was the number they threw at Tiger? Because Bryson, of course, according to Dan Rapoport, uh, is going to join the the Live Golf for a hundred million dollars. Hundred million, and you've got this Saudi-backed league. It's going to drop between four hundred and five hundred million for Bryson, for Phil, and for DJ. I mean, Bryson's kind of a carnival act to watch. That said, a hundred million for him. If, if he's getting a hundred, what's Tiger, even at his age and his, in his condition? I mean, what what five hundred million? You give him a billion? Well, I, <laughs> I mean, those three guys combined is what they're giving Tiger plus. Okay. So it's like, do they have just a endless supply of cash? The yes, cash they do. Time, doesn't it? No, not with oil prices, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Point there. <laughs> Mike, I, I'm looking at this where a lot of these uh, sports leagues that come in trying to compete with the big dog. You think of like the USFL and uh, the AAF and football, and you even have these independent baseball leagues uh, and whatnot. A lot of times their end goal is to try to get a merger with the big league or try to get some sort of affiliation with the big league. But that doesn't seem to be what, what the Saudis' goal here is. It almost seems like they're trying to overtake the PGA. Do you think that's what their end goal is here, to, to be the premier sports or the premier golf league of the world, despite not having some of the, the best, most famous courses? Well, some of that, because it goes back to Norman. When Norman tried to do this years ago, maybe 20 years ago, he tried to create like a super league, which is superstars, you know, and that's, those were uh, tournaments that they were only eligible to play in, you know? So that's one kind of aspect of it. You know, a little of my gut feeling is I think they're trying to position themselves to be on the tour schedule, you know? So it's like they're trying to be part of the PGA tour, so you are creating kind of a year-round uh, a tour where guys can go play and there's more events that are played overseas, which I, I think some of the tours trying to do that. They're trying to broaden and expand, you know, where they play. They've been doing that for the last few years where they play in the Bahamas and, and Mexico and other places like that. So I, I really don't know. I mean, I, that's what I thought originally, but 
the more I look at it, it's like you know, these guys look like they're just trying to take over. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is going to be the next PGA Tour. Saudi's trying to buy good PR, and they're doing that through sports with some of the who's who in the golf world uh, because of their human rights history and uh, not necessarily being uh, the most current of, of treatment of people. Uh, that's that's my take on it. Shuey, uh, so awesome to spend time with you, bud. Enjoy uh, what's going on at Wilderness. We always appreciate you jumping on, bud. I appreciate it immensely. Everybody stay safe. All right, there he is, Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. We'll wind down Hour 1 next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. You know, some Denver fans are in fear with the new ownership group. We... Bring in our resident donk fan, Elijah Herbal. I sent this picture to the pharmacist, Jeff, uh, my my buddy that's the Denver season ticket holder. And I'm going to get out and see Denver this year. Uh, don't know when. We are talking about the bye week, uh, see the Niners and the Broncos. That might be a Sunday night. I haven't got it figured out yet with the, the Jaybird crew. But So the picture was this on Facebook. You've got the, the Denver Bronco insignia with a really toothy, smiling John Elway. And then you have the new logo that is the Walmart Broncos, and it's Gary Substance Abusey. Gary Busey. I've never heard that nickname before. <laughs> oh, it's an oldie but a goodie. Blame <laughs> Dolman in the Average Joe Sports Show days. I stole it. It's Gary Substance Busey. <laughs> and it's got this crazed look. And Gary Busey used to be doing all these sorts of reality shows and taking hits off of uh, uh, Peace Pipes. And, and he was in, uh, God, what was the show with Steven Seagal? Under Siege. Right, him and Tommy Lee Jones and Elijah's like, oh, when? Huh? What? Well, yeah, thirty years ago. Well, it was my day. It was a good action flick. The only one uh, was Steven Seagal, and you have Gary Busey, and he was in some of the Lethal Weapons where he'd hold his arm out and it, you know, he he guy'd fire up a lighter and just burn him, and he'd he'd take it as he was a an intimidator, right? He was a he was a tough guy. Uh, did uh, did some wet work, right, for some crime dudes in the uh, the Lethal Weapon series. But, Elijah, are you concerned that concessions, while they may become cheaper, they may lack in some of the, the normal soda choices you're used to when you go to the new Mile High? I mean, I, I personally... Don't think Mountain Thunder is a, is a bad substitute for Mountain Dew. So you're, you're saying give me more Mountain Thunder... Give, give me more Dr. Thunder instead of Dr. Pepper. Oh, it's Mountain Lightning, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. It's Mountain Lightning, Dr. Thunder. I have The one thing I've not done, I've been a cheap bastard a lot of my life, but I have not s- scrimped on on soda. Oh, you're, you're missing out on their, uh, their, their Sierra Mist off-brand Twist Up. <laughs> Hy-Vee used to have their vo- form of Mountain Dew called Hee Haw, and uh, we, we used to give my brother trouble for that one all the time <laughs> hey man if, if it's if i'm you know eight dollars for a mountain dew or 250 for a mountain lightning give me that give, mountain give lightning me, give me the day. 12 pack give give you the 12 pack of the mountain lightning I'm just, uh, does, does, shasta was all good back in the day as a kid hmm. get that for like 10 cents a can turn your face purple but was rc isn't like a walmart brand is it I, no, RC is it's it's its own thing. It's its own thing, and it was it's pretty good. 
See, I'm curious to see what RC's, kind of – RC's really good. I'm curious to see if uh, if Walmart goes into the Broncos stadium and takes Coors out of the out of the stadium. I mean, no chance. Or Miller, or, I mean, no chance. I, mean, I think Coors is the official beer of. of Better the be. It's just up the road. It should be. It's yeah. funny with the beer wars when when my when uh, Coors Field <laughs> would would host the All Star Game. Budweiser came in. <laughs> And just decked out both dugouts and Budweiser sponsorships <laughs> just because of the, the arrangement Anheuser-Busch had with Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, Coors, I mean, it's, it's still the all-star game from Coors Field. Coors got their advertising dollars in there. Brought to you by Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Schick, Schick and Nick, ESPN, stand out. With uh, TV, radio, all that good stuff. We will talk Husker Ball and some Super Regionals next with Schick. Calling all Storm Chasers fans. A team you never get to see is making their way to Werner Park June 7th through the 12th, and that's the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. It's the first meeting between the two franchises, and there's plenty going on that week. June 9th is the Chasers community celebration for Pride Night, presented by PayPal. June 10th is What If Night, where the Storm Chasers will change their name to the Hogs. A little backstory, that was a previous Omaha team and was a potential name change when the franchise was looking to rebrand. It's a battle of pigs versus hogs. You can't have a name change without new jerseys too. Specialty jerseys will be worn that night. And of course, they'll be autographed and auctioned off. Snag your favorite player June 10th and then run it back on the 11th. It's Salute to Corn Night presented by the Nebraska Corn Board. It's a celebration of all things corn. Corn on the jerseys, corn in the stands. Trust me, this game will be amazing. See you there. Come to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. <laughs> Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. That laugh is familiar. We say hi to Matt Schick of Schick and Nick. And, of course, ESPN Radio, ESPN TV, Sirius XM. Mr. Schick, good to talk to you. It's not quite been 644 days, but it's around there. <laughs> Something like that, exactly. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. Good to <laughs> Good to chat with you, Schmitty. How are you, buddy? We're good. We are uh, ready for baseball at the Schmidt household. You're ready for baseball on the Super Regional front. And we'll go there. And uh, some tasty matchups. If you had to circle one of these Supers that you're most intrigued by, which one? Uh, Of all the Supers that intrigues me the most, I am going with North Carolina against Arkansas. Uh, I think I think that one is pretty tasty, not necessarily for the environment, but because there is a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent on both sides. North Carolina can pitch. they got a really good freshman, Advance Honeycutt, who if he gets to Omaha, he might steal the show. Uh, he is He's a 25 home run, 30 stolen bases player. And he's a freshman. He's built. He, he's just a really good kid who I talked to Scott Forbes, the North Carolina coach this morning, actually. And uh, he said he's unlike any player he's ever coached in terms of the gifts and and everything he's got and then for an Arkansas team that you know the Dave Van Horn angle is always there trying to get back to Omaha again think about where they were a couple years ago they dropped the fly ball that would have won them a championship last year they lose in the Supers to NC State after putting up 20 plus runs in the first game of the Supers so 
there's a lot there, and it's an Arkansas team that has found out who it is. They gave up a ton of runs against Oklahoma State, but at the same time, they went through the war. Uh, you know, Connor Nolan can pitch. Michael Turner transferred from Kent State at, at catcher. Peyton Stovall trying to become who they thought he could be, and Caden, Caden Wallace at third has got a hose, man. I mean, he can really play. So that would probably be the the one. And then a backup, maybe the 2A, or the 1A would be Texas and East Carolina because I love the quote-unquote little guy, which ECU is not. They're, they're a good baseball team and a good baseball power, but welcoming in Texas, it, it's rare for a team like ECU to be able to host a super regional against a national power program like a Texas. And for ECU, the storyline of never making it to Omaha despite 32 appearances, that's great. I mean, sign me up for both of those, and that, that place is going to be absolutely wild at uh, Clark LeClaire Stadium. You want to go back to Arkansas. That drama around the program was pretty thick. There was a lot of strife, even from uh, some some media towards Turner. That was a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, and mm-hmm. man, they they have battled through. Turner had an incredible regional, and there's that soft spot spot for a lot of Nebraska fans. I know it's damn near twenty years, but mm-hmm. for uh, for Van Horn to, to get back to Omaha, so. They've been so close, and they're that that program that you expect to win it that that hasn't. Uh, Oregon State's always interesting. Uh, We've had a lot of fun with Pat Casey over the years. I know he's been gone from there, but Oregon State's fun to watch. And then A&M with their transition, uh, they're right back knocking on the door, Matt. Yeah, I mean, go back to Michael Turner. So, yeah, you met friends Arkansas, and they had a sports talk radio guy who bashed him. And I covered an Arkansas game, and – Talked to Dave Van Horn about him earlier this season and when they played Missouri and going into that game, he's just like, yeah, I can't believe he's not playing pro ball. You know, COVID happened and the draft was shortened. And so transfers from Kent State and he's making himself some money this year. Um, he goes eight for 18 in the, in the regional with 11 runs batted in and five runs scored. And he was a really good, he's a really good defensive player as well. So that Dave Van Horn story and Arkansas story, they look like a team that could get through Chapel Hill. They just, they, they really, really do. Um, the the Texas A and M, you know, angle there is interesting. Louisville and what they did to escape Michigan as the replay should have been overturned. It should have been Michigan taking a two run lead into the ninth, and then maybe it's Michigan going to um, Texas A and M, which would have been outstanding. But it's not. It's Louisville and Louisville. And Cam Masterman, the player who hit a big home run against Michigan, said, we have nothing to lose. He said that going into Texas A&M. And when you've got a really good team that if the rest of the team feels like that, they're not feeling pressure. We're playing with house money, so to speak, because we're going into the higher rank C, the better team, quote-unquote. I like Louisville's chances to go in there. I think Texas A&M's a, a fairly vulnerable top-five seed. Matt Schick with us from ESPN. Find him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Schick. Also, Schick and Nick with the Hurt Ad Family podcast. Uh, it's a must-listen to each week. <laughs> and Matt going to dive into some Nebraska football because it is the mm-hmm. offseason. Athlon has come out with their their uh, their prognostications. How does number five in the West grab you for Nebraska? <laughs> is that what they have? Yes, they have, they have Nebraska in at five. <laughs> they uh, they have Wisconsin one, Purdue in at two, and and they re- return uh, Aiden O'Connell at quarterback, and 
Uh, they've got a couple of Iowa transfers in at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, in at three is Iowa. Minnesota in at four. And then there's uh, the, the Big Red sneaking in at number five. Storm clouds are just a tough black and blue division where anything can happen any week. Well, I'll tell you, Purdue's going to be a trendy pick going into this season. And they're going to have the opener to figure out whether they're contender or not because they open up a Thursday night at home against Penn State. So how do they look? You'll get a really good gauge, but their schedule's very, very friendly. It's a friendly schedule with many winnable games. Um, I've said this about Nebraska that I, you know, you pick them anywhere from from two to five and you're probably going to be right, okay? Like <laughs> either – if they go fifth in the division, I think we all know what might happen there at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, the first half of their schedule is so extremely manageable that you have to stockpile wins early for them because the back half is going to be a really big challenge. And, um, you know, Nick and I on our podcast were talking about it this week about, you know, is six wins enough for Frost? And, is, and the knee jerk is, yeah. Yeah, six wins is enough. That's tangible evidence that things are going well. But then the more you think about it, you realize that if they go six and six, but they start off hot, maybe even if it's four and two, five and one, which their schedule indicates, that's very likely. And I think anything short of five and one, four and two at the least, would be really disappointing. Um, if they go six and six, then they're going two and four on the back end or one and five on the back end. And if that happens, you got no momentum. And a six, not all six and six schedules are created equal. And so that's where I would be a little cautious. Um, FPI, if you're into the ESPN football power index, says eight and four. Um, and that's probably where I would peg probably seven and five to play it safe just because there are so many unknowns. And I know for that opening game, it's nine, nine and a half or 10 Northwestern. That's just too many unknowns for Nebraska to feel any semblance of confidence. Um, and any that you feel is based on last year and the close games, but a switch, so many switches and so many different coaches, five new coaches, 15 new players, and a bunch of those transfers have got to hit. Um, the stability aspect for Nebraska is not there. They don't check that box, uh, but do they check the box at quarterback uh, compared to Minnesota? Maybe compared to Purdue. I don't think so compared to Wisconsin. I actually think they might compared to Iowa. Yes, they absolutely do. So I think in the quarterback check, check box, it's, it, it might be there. It might be a push on a couple of teams, but it's probably going to be there. Uh, how does the rest of the team look? No clue. There's just too many unknowns. Matt Schick joining us a few minutes here. Hail varsity radio. You know, you, you mentioned uh, momentum. That's so key. And, just think back to year one, how Nebraska finished. They they went four and eight, but they won that Michigan State game. They won a couple of other ball games. They beat Minnesota rather handily, and you felt good going into 2019 to the point where, back to 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 June talk, right? They were picked to win the West, and that didn't go so well. They've not closed against Iowa defensively. There's some new faces. You got a, a front four to. To, to figure out, aside from Ty Robinson, with some some uh, some big time names that, that came from some really good programs, but Matt, I'm just wondering about chemistry. Can it all mesh, and can you get players on the same page during these summer months, uh, along with the the offensive side of the football, the coaching staff on the same same side, and then put both of those together and be off and running? Is it too big a ask, or? 
you know, the, the Mel Tucker comparison. Look what Sparty did a year ago with that, that portal. And uh, they went 11-2. and two. Tucker's been really good uh, in short amount of spurts uh, wherever he's been. We'll see how Sparty follows up. But I'm interested if Nebraska can do a second act with it. They're going to have to to ease some tension here towards the end of the year. Yeah, I think I think if Michigan State, uh, I, I think this year if they win nine games, that's a huge achievement. I think there's a step back here. I think you go back to last year and and you can poke some holes in, in what they did. But you know what? You flip a coin and you call heads and it lands heads four out of five times, you're going to win a bunch of games. And that's what they did. Nebraska called tails and it landed heads. Um, there were a bunch of those 50-50 games late, and a bunch of those were self-inflicted wounds. It was a double-sided coin. And Nebraska knew they were using it and couldn't get out of their own way. So – to your point about back in 2018, you know, if Nebraska had – they won four of their last six, right? But if they if they had won four of their first six and then the front of the schedule happened at the end, you wouldn't be feeling how you felt going into 2019. So the order of things absolutely matters for momentum. But like you said, it doesn't – not necessarily from season to season, but from game to game. There was that build, and then for some reason it just dropped off. I would say that for the chemistry here, you just thank God there's no COVID this year, right? Like, that, like with all this new chemistry, imagine if that hit, you know, you're going through this in 2020. Like, you've got to figure this stuff out. you got to get guys together. you got to forge some bonds here with a bunch of guys that are, frankly, mercenaries that are here to try and save a program and, and save themselves and increase their draft stock and go to a better landing spot. I mean, these are, in a lot of ways, some of these players are cast-offs that maybe didn't fit where they were and now you got to fit and you got to all fit together and you know Michigan State did what it did in large part because Kenneth Walker III is the best player at his position in the country does Nebraska have a player like that that could get you a win that could get you steal a W that could be the best player on the field that Dominican Sue could be that guy in the front seven that can cover up for a bad offense like they did and come a second away from a conference championship. Does Nebraska have a guy in the front seven that can wreck a game? You know, do do they have someone offensively that can wreck a game? I, I don't think they do. Um, But I also think it's going to take time and you're going to have to allow this program to not just recruit transfers, but to recruit high school players. And I think they'll be able to do that, which is why it's imperative that this staff wins seven or more games so that they give another year or two to do just that. Because I think this is a really good coaching staff. And I hope they get more than one year, and I hope they hit the ground running. Well, you look at what Trev might be thinking and see, seeing how 2022 goes, you've made some incredible hires. Bill Bush, mm-hmm. Mickey Joseph, mm-hmm. two specifically that – have a just phenomenal track record of, of recruiting and development. And they've, they've worked for some heavy hitters. Uh, Coach Applewhite mm-hmm. isn't as well-known, but that dude's really good. Yeah, really, really mm-hmm. good. Was really good at TCU. So you don't want a, an 3 scenario to happen where you make staff changes and then you don't get a longer runway, but you're, you're working on year five. So it's it's interesting, isn't it, with uh, what what needs to be happening in Lincoln – you bring in some some big name coaches that can help you get there, but you want to see uh, the next year and years after. Like if you make a change after this year, you're four coaches in ten years. <laughs> yeah. Like, but like if you really think about it, and Trev Alberts has preached stability, stability, stability. So he, Trev Alberts, and knowing him and hearing what he has to say, is not going to be the kind of guy that goes, okay. 
I'm just looking at wins and losses. He's going to look at what kind of improvements are we making and are there signs that this thing is moving? Are there signs within games that it's moving? Are, what's the sign of improvement this year? Playing better in the last two minutes instead of playing worse. Right? Playing your best football in the fourth quarter instead of crumbling. Making those special teams, uh, you know, capitalizing on special teams instead of cashing in your chips on special teams. And that's why I think the two biggest transfers are Bleak Road and Buscini. I mean, those, if those guys are upgrades, you can get your kicker and punter squared away, and they're not costing you games, and they're a net even for Nebraska, then I think this team is at the minimum making a bowl game. And they would have made one last year with those two guys if those guys are upgrades, are upgrades or just a neutral asset. Then, then figure it out. Um, and that's where the frustration comes in. So, yeah, I think it's going to be just every week is going to be an adventure. And who would have thought 20, 25 years ago that you'd be sitting here thinking, geez, you know, six games would be great. But life comes at you fast, man, and uh, that's kind of where Nebraska is. Matt Schick with us, ESPN, and, of course, Schick and Nick. Uh, Matt, uh, a thought here before we say goodbye while we're into projections and predictions. How are your bills going to be, man? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm a little leery of this uh, preseason of the best team in the NFL. I think people like to really get ahead of themselves. I think they're there. I think they're close. I think there it's like a coin flip thing, right? You win that coin toss against Kansas City, maybe you're winning the Super Bowl. Things happen quickly. I do think that they are a top five team, and I think that you know anything short of home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the AFC would be a big disappointment. Uh, Kansas City takes a half step back. He always looks like Nebraska in the West. <laughs> who's taking a step forward? Who's taking a step back? And how does that impact your steps that you're making? I think the Bills will be just as good as they were last year, and then – How's everyone else thinking? Um, Tyreek Hill, you take him away from Kansas City? I'm not as scared. So give me Buffalo. Give me AFC Championship. Give me Super Bowl. Or don't even play the season, Schmitty. That's where we're at here. There you go. All or nothing. Love it. Matt Schick with us. Matt, take care. Thanks so much for a few minutes. Appreciate it, buddy. Any single time. Thank you. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you. Good stuff from Matt Schick. We'll have that uh, posted ESPN Lincoln on demand on Facebook and of course on Twitter. The full interview, also Mike Babcock, Mike Schuhart, a jock doc coming up with Dr. Ben Woodhead shortly open for you right now at 466-377-6800-825-5865. So the, the theme today has been remodel, uh, rebuild, redo, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> if you don't like how it looks, there's potential for a, a redo, right, in, in 2022, uh, you can always go uh, 
uh, redo what uh, what you fixed up or tried to remodel, or you can just say, yeah, this uh, this came together well uh, with the remodel. We talk about new players and new coaches for Nebraska. It's all in reference. Thank you, Athlon, for picking Nebraska fifth. And there's Elijah. There's there's still a. I don't know the percentage, but you'll never. There won't be a section of Nebraska fans because of that red end, because of of what the program's been, not what it is, but what it's been, that isn't pissed and offended at being picked fifth when there's no evidence that they should be first. You can talk maybe second. You can talk yourself into anything, good, bad, or ugly. And while we're on the topic of of, of a remodel here, uh, I think – well, I've had the chance. I'm not sure about you, but I've had the chance to to renovate a few homes in my life as uh, we, as a family. You have up. a thick mustache. Yes, I'm sure you have. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we, uh, I started my my first home remodels when I was in fifth grade. So uh, we did that one. Here, Elijah, here's a sledgehammer. Exactly. Go to work. It was a great time. You just get to go go to town on the walls, sledgehammer, knock out all that lath and plaster. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. But anyway, I digress. Um, demo. <laughs> part of that demo process and part of what we're seeing this offseason is is you're going to take that wall down and you're going to see and you're going to look behind the wall and say, the question is, is, oh, no, is there structural damage here? Is there structural <laughs> issues behind this wall we're trying to renovate? And that's one of the things we're going to find out this year is you, you've taken out this wall, which, I mean, you could all say you've also taken out that same wall four years ago, but that's whatever. We're trying to make a we're trying to make a good little uh analogy analogy that's the word i was looking for and you're going to take out that wall this off season and try to put up a new wall or put up some new wallpaper put up some drywall what what have you and the question is is in the process of tearing out that wall are, are you going to find out that there are structural problems here that are going to require a lot more work than what a one-year facelift can do than what a couple transfers can do uh, what a new quarterback can do a new offensive coordinator are, are there deeper problems within this program than that and i think that's one of the questions that's going to be answered this year because we know based on the the transfers they've brought in based on the people we know are already in the program there is talent within this program and i would argue uh, I know football is not played on paper, but on paper, there's enough talent on this football team to lead you to at least a bowl game. It, it's, six, six and six should be a bare minimum requirement for this football team. The question is, are there structural problems behind this talent that you have in the program? Well, and you and I both know uh, step one was the demo. Mm-hmm. You've kind of done that to your coaching staff already. You've done that to your roster. And you, you for whatever reason, you didn't do it sooner. That's the issue, the new versus the old. And it's it's not, <laughs> fair is maybe an objectable word, but it's not fair based on what you brought in to make a determination with all these new parts in just a year or even six games. But the guy that's in charge of the project's been the homeowner for for five years mm, mm. And, and that's 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 the rub you've brought in new subcontractors to do some work for you yes and the thing he is, hired the old ones yeah if 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 these new subcontractors are coming in they're not still not getting the job done this, this homeowner if, if now you're looking for somebody if it's like you're, you're hiring out your contract work here 
you're, you're, the guy you've brought in to do the work has brought in new subcontractors that are going to do the job well. But the thing is, is you're running out of patience as the homeowner. You're looking at it and you're going, well, these new subcontractors you brought in aren't doing the job too. Maybe I should just find somebody completely new to renovate this home. And I think your, your new subcontractors or coaches are quite capable and will mm-hmm. do the job. Mm-hmm. I'm very confident in that. It's just who are they doing the job for? Scott or somebody else. Mm. So, interesting question in the Hale Varsity mailbag with uh, the, the Nebraska team. And uh, Sal wrote in, every uh, Monday you have Steve Marek put out questions on Twitter. Uh, he takes uh, the email bag or the Twitter bag, and uh, they turn it around for a really good piece with HaleVarsity.com, the, the, the mailbag here. And here's the question. In 2022 Nebraska football, a program or a team is what Sal's asking. In my opinion, it's a team built to win now, and you will probably would uh, probably like to have a program, but does it have enough in place, or will it have to build a team each offseason? So Sal asks a good question. You don't want Nebraska football to turn into what Nebraska basketball had been with – constant roster resets and a new group of dudes every year you'll have some new you'll have some departure because of the portal and you'll have an advantage right now with nil so you're going to have transition that'll be a thing it is a thing in college football and college basketball you're seeing it in college baseball with with cody frank hitting the portal Uh, so right now you've got a chance to, to get this flipped for the postseason for Nebraska. But long term, you, you can't live that way. You can't, you'll live and die by the sword of the portal. And you, you don't want, you don't want that, that volatility of one year you're up next. You don't want to be, if you're a Nebraska football fan, you'd love to be Northwestern when they're going nine and three, 10 and two. But you don't want the other side of it here built for a year. Then you get smacked and you have to reload to the tune of three and nine. And then bang, you're back up at nine and four, ten and three. And that's the question that, that Mel Tucker is trying to answer within his own football team this season is, what well, was 2021 the your team? Was it a good team or was it the start of building a program? And 2022 is what's going to answer that. I'm not sure if we'll know that here in the next six the months of next springboard. year. Yeah, it is. I mean, that to to do that and then not keep. I think it's unfair to say, Mel, you're going eleven and two every year. Maybe, maybe he's that good. I don't know. But for them, if Sparty gets back to that nine and three, eight and four, nine and three, ten and two window, or even a seven and five, but they they beat Michigan or they they're somewhere in the team. Listen, Athlon's picking Sparty in front of Michigan State. Is that? recency or is that a belief because you've seen the penn state program drift a bit they had their window to take down ohio state about three straight years they did once kind of flukily with that blocked punt Mm -hmm. if you remember back to that on a night game in uh, happy valley and then they were right there in a couple of shootouts in back-to-back years and then it's they just haven't been able to get over the hump they've been really good but they've also stumbled. I mean, they've not been they, – they they may have peaked, right, with that Rose Bowl game, with that Big Ten championship season. 
they followed it up. And they, when I when I talk about Penn State in the in the form of, well, they're not just getting it done. Listen, they're still top fifteen, top ten, but they've kind of moved out of that top five where they were living in that region briefly. And you just wondered if it was going to get sustained or not. Uh, sustainability is very big for Nebraska football. And can you sustain yourself as a, a postseason team? And you and I both never thought we'd be talking about this, more so me than you. You've seen the ups and downs. I only saw good to great. Mm. And that great's gone to, to good to okay to average then to bad and i don't i don't classify last year as bad mm. no i i don't i don't because bad bad to me is going 3 and 9 4 and 8 even 5 and 7 and getting annihilated well, the, Get, getting embarrassed and quitting and and not looking like you want to play i don't think the team last year was bad but i don't think you can no, argue the, that the, the season as a whole was bad well the season was bad the results were very frustrating, but the, the team wasn't bad. No, they were. They were. They were. And there's enough guys in the NFL right now to prove that they weren't bad. Okay, so no, I mean the 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 results were bad, but it wasn't a bad team, and that's so weird. We sound crazy drunk talking like this. You do. Yeah, we do. Three and three and I promise nine. We're not. They're not a bad team. Well, what the hell do you mean they finished? No, really. They had bad moments. They had bad finishes. They weren't clutch. But they still have a positive score differential on the year. Which is, yeah. That, that, that's that's the case in point right there of this was not a bad football team. It, it, were they a good football team? I don't think you can say that either. No, absolutely not. A no. good football team finds a way to win football games. At least a couple of them. But, but I mean, the, the rosters and, and the teams themselves under my... I mean, if you were to take this Husker football team from last season, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. and pair them up against the 2017 Mike Riley football team, I think the football team from last year beats Mike Riley's squad 45-7. to Yeah, because... For, I, th- I think they really beat the brakes off of them. Yeah, well, and, and the reason they do that is just because of, of how <laughs> you had some real give-a-damn problems or at least confidence issues. In 17. I mean, 17 is my definition of that's a bad football yeah, team. Yeah, absolutely. Th- that, that's the standard in Nebraska. Of if you have to be the 2017 levels in Nebraska, to be for me to say, yeah, you're, you're bad. a bad football team. No, I, d- I totally agree. So when we get back to the, the, the point here, is it a program or is it a team? Well, it, it's a team that needs to turn the corner to become a, a air quote program again. You need to get to seven or eight this year, stabilize, feel pretty good, get some M word, some momentum. Right. And and then take off from from here. And it's never going to be easy in the West. Or if you do away with divisions where you're always chasing Ohio State, can you get to that second place spot or or build up to be good enough? I don't know that you'll ever out talent Ohio State, but maybe someday you'll be able to out tough Ohio State because they've been vulnerable in their air quote off years of going 11 and two and. Well, I guess we got to go to the Rose Bowl instead of the college football playoff. No, that's that's how you're gonna you're gonna get it done in the Big Ten. Is rarely will you out talent your Ohio State or Michigan, but 
you can have a couple of dudes that'll out tough. I mean, it's how Nebraska's been getting beat the past couple of years, where I think on paper, Nebraska has had more talent than, say, the Purdue's and Illinois of the world. But what did Illinois do last year? They out-executed Nebraska, and they out-toughed Nebraska. Exactly. We'll uh, get you patched up here with Dr. Ben Woodhead. A jock doc's on the way. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hail Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. We say hi to Dr. Ben Woodhead, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben, how's the week? It's going good so far. The weather's looking up and not much to complain about. Well, it is pretty pleasant outside. Now, Mets fans are sweating right now. Their slugger, Pete Alonzo, had to leave last night's game. Uh, 7-0 rip to San Diego. He got hit by a pitch and then fell awkwardly. You Darvish going high and tight on him on that right wrist. And, man, let's uh, let's talk about some of uh, the, the next few days for Pete Alonzo. X-rays, though, Dr. Ben did come back negative. Yeah, and so the X-rays are an initial or initial study that you can rule out anything big or bad. So it's basically just looking at the bones, and so it tells you whether there's a break in the bone. Sometimes it's even hard to see, like a hairline fracture, though. So it really just gives you an initial impression of whether anything really bad has happened. Now, the hard part is is that the X-rays aren't going to show you much in terms of the tendons, the ligaments, the soft tissue, the muscles, anything like that. And so I would suspect they're going to look into that over the course of the next couple of days. If we're keeping score at home, the Mets have been hit by 40 pitches this year. Pete Alonzo's been hit seven times. Uh, so uh, I don't know that he's going to change his approach, and he'll keep uh, setting up shop where he does near the plate, but as we look at at some potential injury long term effects, okay, the X rays are negative. You, you touched on uh, the, the the breakage part, but from a from a ligament standpoint, Doctor Ben, and and also just some some lingering issues. What could be in store for for Pete? Yeah, and I mean we've talked about this or this in the past. You know, sometimes it's almost better to have a bony injury because once that break or once that fracture heals, you know, a lot of these athletes can go back as tolerated. Some of these ligament and tendon type of issues they can really linger on because the soft tissue takes a lot longer to heal. Um, and then when these tendons or cartilage injuries happen, um, you know, sometimes these even require a surgical procedure. Now it's hard to tell what exactly happened to him without having, you know, a confirmed MRI or any type of strain or tear. But those are certainly the things that you start looking at and being concerned about. 
Dr. Ben Woodhead joining us at Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Pete Alonzo, a wrist injury, not only hit, but then falling awkward. It's one thing to get hit by a baseball, but it could be more dangerous falling. Uh, you put your wrist out, Dr. Ben, and bad things could happen that way. Yeah, and so falling onto an outstretched hand is actually a classic type of injury, and it can actually injure a couple different things in the wrist. So you can actually get some hairline fractures in some of the wrist bones, um, which can actually go unnoticed on an x-ray. And so that can only be confirmed with an MRI. And, you know, if that truly happened, those are some fractures that can actually take a lot longer to heal. Um, the other thing is when you fall into an outstretched hand, there's some ligaments and there's some cartilage within the wrist um, bone itself that you can actually tear. Uh, we've kind of talked about meniscus tears in the knee in mm-hmm. the past, and there's some cartilage issues in the wrist that are quite similar and can cause some pain that sometimes even require surgery. When you have to do an intervention uh, and you get MRI results back and say it is a hairline, how often do you let the hairline heal versus deciding to go in and and, and do surgery on wrist or that that hand area uh what what's the the outlook like and i know it depends case by case yeah and so there's multiple bones in the wrist that can be broken there's actually one that you really don't want to miss it's called the scaphoid bone and so that's actually a bone that you can fall onto an outstretched hand and actually have a hairline fracture and it sometimes won't heal without um, surgery, And so that's one thing, if that is where his tenderness or his symptoms are, that they're really going to want to rule out because with an, um, with an arm that you're using a lot, sometimes for early surgical intervention actually is preferred because it will allow these athletes to heal quicker. Let's talk about some of the lingering effects. Say he just has to take a couple of days off. Is this going to hamper his, his ability to... to hold the bat is is tight, grip it as, as, as hard as he would like, or even when it comes to throwing a baseball, uh, are these two, uh, two issues potentially with this sore wrist? Yeah, so if he certainly has a sprain or a strain of the ligaments in the wrist, one of the things that I'd be concerned about is absolutely grip strength. And so that is something that really time will tell. If the MRI comes back as there's just some swelling and nothing really torn, and he does have a strain, it's going to be rest, anti-inflammatories, icing, um, and hoping that it heals sooner than later. And so sometimes those can nag, though, for for weeks on end and even months. Um, And he might not retain grip strength for, you know, a couple months out, which severely could um, limit his batting. You know, grip strength so key, especially when you look at Pete. He's a, a big-time slugger. Uh, Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Pete Alonzo dinged on the right wrist yesterday seven times this season, hit by a pitch. Uh, x-rays negative, still waiting on MRI news. And you, you mentioned some of the treatment uh, with uh, anti-inflammatory and icing. There are any stretches or exercises that, that you prescribe or, or any type of therapy that can go on, physical type therapy that can be worked on to get his wrist uh, either determine uh, where the discomfort is specifically or just stretch it out so it's a little bit more usable? 
Yeah, so I think that's a great point. And so if it truly is a strain and you're waiting for that um, healing potential, the biggest thing is that he doesn't want to lose any motion or any of the strength that he does have. So in these early phases, it's just to kind of maintain the baseline that he's at um, while he's waiting for the soft tissue to heal. And so even if it was something um, similar to like a bone bruise, which is essentially like a hairline fracture, you're still waiting for all those cells in the body to heal. Um, and while you're doing that, you just don't want to lose any of his motion, any of the strength that he does have. And so he's going to be working with a hand therapist and other types of providers that are going to maintain that while he's awaiting the healing. If this is just a sprain or strain, what's the timeline? You know, if it's just a sprain or a strain, he'll probably be allowed to get back into activity to tolerance. So once the initial swelling calms down and the inflammation um, starts improving, he should be able to get back once his symptoms allow it, once his grip strength comes back, once he's able to throw a ball. And so then you just allow basically pain to be the guide. And that's best case scenario. Real quick, uh, any, any protective gear? I mean, you can wear armor up to the plate. Anything out there that, that Pete may look at getting for that wrist? Yeah, so it depends on where his actual pain is. If it's a thumb or if it's a finger, you know, they can do things such is buddy taping. The hard part with wearing a wrist brace is that he's, it's going to certainly limit his grip strength. And so I would suspect that that will not be a viable option. But if there's taping, um, different types of taping techniques that will help stabilize that um, or even help with his grip, that would certainly be an option. Much of that depends on where his actual pain is and what they find on the MRI. Dr. Ben, thanks for the time today. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks a lot. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, reminder, we are going to be at the Hale Varsity Club tomorrow in La Vista, just uh, up the road from Embassy Suites as you get into Omaha. Junior's off to play Westside weather permitting tomorrow night at 8, so we'll uh, be there 4 to 6, getting you ready. Stop by, check out the Wagyu Burger, get a pizza, uh, some munchies that are really awesome. The charcuterie board is undefeated. And they got a cold beer for you. Or if you want a mixed drink, a little vodka lemonade, uh, smile about that. But come check out the Hale Varsity Club. A really cool setup, and uh, we're excited to be there. Great setup for TVs uh, to catch your favorite games. On the horn tonight, you have uh, Golden State, Boston, Game 3. Steak and a beer is looming, Elijah. So oh, Lord. get ready to make your pick. First, though, buckle up. Use your seatbelt when you do so. It saves lives, and it prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from 
the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So what we have is this. Golden State dropped the nuke in game two. Uh, good stuff from Doris Burke earlier on what needs to happen with Clay. And, and that's more catch and shoot versus off the dribble. He's not shooting well through two games. Boston went off from three-point land. Horford was incredible. Boston didn't shoot bad from three, but they didn't limit Golden State like they needed to. And the turnovers were were a big time. 26 points off of Celtic turnovers for Golden State. Right now, our old buddy Garth Glissman will be in the, I can't call it the garden anymore. But I don't even know if it's the Fleet Center anymore. Point is, is Boston's at home and they're favored by three and a half. Are you taking those points? Do you think Golden State forges forward to get a road win? Elijah, what's the over-under at? We need to talk to our old boy Danny Burke on that. Yeah, I wish we could talk to Danny before this so I could sound smarter when I'm making my steak in a beer (laughs) bet. The the total is set at 214. Okay. So we got the over-under. 214 and a half or 214 solid? 214 flat. Okay. I would go I would leave, so I, I I am terrified of making the first choice because as we've talked about here, whoever has made the choice, you, you're, you're calling heads and it's been tails. It's been tails. So that luck is bound to change. I, I would lean under two fourteen, and I'd take the Celtics to cover three and a half. Really, I'll take Golden State in the three and a half, and I'll take the over. Steak and a beer. You've won one. Can you win two in a row? The parlay makes it dangerous here because then we could both be wrong. I'll I'll take. The Celtics by we could do two separate, two separate, okay, two separate steak. And one beer for the steak, one, one for the, the beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for the steak, I'll take Celtics minus three and a half, and then for the beer, I'll take under two fourteen. Okay, done. Boom! Look at that. I made the pick, so I'm guaranteeing beer's going to taste wrong. cold. That steak will be marvelous. I wish we had our all time results here from like back to when I, I started back here. So do I. We're like I've been here what over three years now. Mm-hmm. It's felt longer for you, but yes. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, wow. That's, that that's not because of you. That's because of the seasons Husker football has been having. Um, but <laughs> try anything past 2015, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I'd like to see the, the all-time to results. me about doing time. I feel like you're winning the all-time results of Steak and Beer, though, but I guess we'll never know. We'll have to do a better job of scorekeeping. Tomorrow, Hail Varsity Club. See you in La Vista. A Huda Media Production.